It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And this is the Jets-Ravens postgame report. So for that, of course, we turn to the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Matt Stapukowski. Matt, Jets go down in flames tonight, 42-21. Not unexpected, although they did make it interesting for a little while. For the most part, the Ravens dominated this game. Lamar Jackson had a phenomenal game, as you would expect. Five touchdown passes, and he ran all over the place. This was the first time all season that the Jets run defense, which has been the best in the league, was beat up pretty bad. The Ravens were the better team. They were at home. They were a heavy favorite, and it played out more or less the way that you would have expected. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as the final score and everything like that, it was, like you said, just just about what you would have expected. Honestly, to me, one of the only surprises was the fact that it, you know, the the first half it was what twenty-one to seven at the break, but it actually felt a lot closer than that in the first half, just because the Jets were actually moving the ball and doing some good things. So, uh, the, the biggest surprise of the night to me was the fact that it, you know it actually was kind of close and somewhat of a game for the first thirty minutes, but uh, at the end of the day, obviously, didn't make a difference, and the Ravens wind up rolling pretty easy. The Jets definitely kept it close for a while. They made it interesting, as we said. I thought one of the turning points was at the very end of the half when Sam Darnold threw an interception as the Jets were driving for points. They were probably going to end up in field goal range, although Sam Ficken missed an extra point and a field goal in this game, so there's no guarantees they would have gotten the field goal even if Darnold hadn't thrown the interception. Let's start with Sam Darnold. Another up-and-down performance again. You saw some tremendous plays by him. The first touchdown pass to Jamison Crowder especially was something else, just an elite type of throw. But then there were other times in this game where he threw balls he shouldn't have thrown. He held the ball a little too long. You saw some questions with deep ball accuracy. We saw the best of Darnold. We saw the worst of Darnold. And as we go forward, the comment I made, Matt, while this was going on, I think I said this on Twitter as well, was if he can clean up some of these things, the fumble that we saw as well, although that wasn't entirely his fault, but still he got to hang on to the ball, some of the bad decisions as far as throws, if he can clean up some of those things, he can be the guy that everybody said that he was going to be coming out of college. Tony Romo, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, something around there. If he doesn't clean that up and if he keeps playing sloppy, then he may end up being more along the lines of Jameis Winston. It's a scary thought, but it's still something that has to be discussed at this point. I don't think that there's any reason to believe that Sam Darnold can't be the guy going forward, but just how good can he be? That's what we're going to find out 
over the course of the next couple of weeks, months, and years. And tonight, again, we saw the up-and-down nature of what we've gotten from him as a Jet thus far in his career. He's got to clean this stuff up if he wants to make it to the next level. Yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm starting to get to the point, or not starting, I, I think I've thought this for a while. I've kind of written stuff to this effect in the past. I know I've said it in the press box plenty of times where I kind of think that uh, to some extent, you're always going to have to live with some of these errors from Darnold. Mm -hmm. You know, he seems like the kind of guy where he's going to make a lot of those elite throws, like you said, but uh, you know, he's going to be prone to some brain farts. He's going to be prone to some uh, over aggression that gets him in trouble at times. It's just a matter of kind of degree at that point. Like you said, I mean, is he Jameis Winston or is he, uh, you know, like kind of Brett Farvey in that sense where he, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's, it's how much you limit those kinds of mistakes. And, and that's going to be the big variable, I think, in, in Sam Darnold's career where um, he has that upside for sure. But uh, it's a matter of how often you make those game-changing mistakes that kind of really can hold you back. If he limits them and, uh, you know, does a good job of managing them and, you know, keeping them to a minimum throughout his career, um, yeah, the, the Favre comparison is one that kind of sticks out to me sometimes, not in terms of the style of play that those two guys have, but just in terms of like the gunslinger, cocky, I, I can make this throw kind of thing where sometimes it's going to work out great and you're going to go, how the hell did he do that? And other times you're going to say, why did he do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, like you said, it, it could kind of slide in the other direction as well. So um, plenty still to learn though for Sam Darnold. He's 22, you know, it's not worth panicking or anything like that right now he's 22 he's uh you know not even played two full nfl seasons he's missed time in both of those seasons he's had to learn two nfl offenses so still too many other variables at this point but you know obviously uh at this point in the season with you know the playoffs out of reach sub 500 record clinched it's all about darnold and his development so uh you certainly want to see less of those mistakes like he had uh, during the interception and a couple other times where he's kind of getting dragged down tonight and decided to throw the ball in the middle of the field. And that was uh, a risky thing to do. So you obviously want to see some less of that from Sam Darnold, but the the top end moments were certainly there on Thursday night as well. Sometimes you just got to learn to take what the defense is giving you and what the defense was giving the jets on this night were some open receivers from time to time. Specifically, you saw Jamison Crowder and Robbie Anderson play very well. Robbie Anderson was making contested catches. There was one play where the ball was a little bit overthrown and Robbie was able to find a way to get it onto his fingertips and reel it in. You saw the touchdown catches from Jamison Crowder. He had two of them. So this is what you want to see from those two guys. And again, we knew that the Ravens were heavily favored for a reason. They're a much better team. But being able to see Darnold make some plays with these wide receivers was certainly one of the positives of the evening. Yeah, for sure. And definitely nice to see Jameson Crowder kind of get back involved. It was, what, I think about three weeks now, he's been pretty darn quiet and hadn't done a whole lot. So uh, this was kind of more of the Crowder that we've seen throughout most of the season. And he was certainly plenty of involved. And then, you know, Robbie Anderson, he he didn't put up another 100-yard game after doing a couple of those in a row. But uh, still a very nice day for him. And uh, a couple of missed opportunities in there, too. And I can think of one play. Uh, before the turnover on downs, you know, in the second quarter, a few plays before that, Sam Darnold found Crowder for a first down, but uh, he had Robbie Anderson pretty open for uh, a touchdown if he had seen him. So 
you know, Robbie did a good job of getting open tonight. Uh, he's been doing that for a few weeks now and have to wonder kind of how much and that's going to help him as his contract winds to the end here. And he starts to get closer to free agency. You know, he's he certainly not hurting himself with some of these performances. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, who around the league is paying attention and how much stock they're going to put in a few hot games toward the end of this year. But, uh, you know, who knows? He, he could be uh, adding a couple million dollars to his, uh, you know, eventual salary here if he keeps this up. What I keep saying is that while Robbie Anderson isn't necessarily a number one wide receiver for whatever that actually means anymore, I think that the value is somewhere in the range of what Tyrell Williams got, which is four years, $44 million. So I would be surprised if he doesn't get something along those lines, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but somewhere in that range. But one guy who is paid as an elite player and tonight had one of the best games that he's had all season coming off of the flu was Le'Veon Bell. This was a nice sign as well. Yeah, for sure his best game on the ground. He, he averaged 4.1 yards per carry, pretty sure it was. 84 yards, if I remember right off the top of my head. So, uh, you know, he hadn't rushed for more than 70 yards in a game to this point. So definitely his uh, his best night running the ball from that aspect, you know, just actual uh, rushing production as opposed to kind of total yardage from scrimmage. But uh, it was a good night for Bell. Uh, Ace clearly leaned on him with – uh, Blau Powell out. Bell got 21 carries, so uh, tied his season high in that regard. So it still isn't exactly the the vintage Le'Veon Bell performance that you know we've seen the past years when he was with the Steelers, but uh, it was at least a little bit closer to that to that kind of Bell than we've seen in a Jets uniform. So uh, you know, if you're a Jets fan, if you're in the Jets uh, coaching staff. If, you're over on what one Jets drive. You got to be encouraged by the fact that uh, Bell seems to have been making uh, at least some strides, and the fact that he did this after losing a bunch of weight, coming off the flu, and everything is pretty impressive too. And uh, got to imagine that this helps bury that ridiculous, silly bowling story as well. So uh, a little added bonus to the to everything there. Sort of strange night for the offensive line, Matt. We know that they have had a lot of trouble throughout the season, both in run and pass blocking. But when they've had good games, it's typically been more on the pass blocking side of things. Tonight, we saw that they struggled a lot with pass blocking and actually did fairly well with the run blocking. And above and beyond the offensive line, the tight end struggled as well, specifically Trevon Wesco. There was that one play where Darnold coughed up the ball and he just got destroyed on a one-on-one. So this is a weird night again for the offensive line. They've done nothing to make people think that they're not going to have to replace every member of this line at the end of the season. That continued tonight, although it was nice that finally for a change, Le'Veon Bell was able to get something going behind that line. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's just inconsistency is still absolutely plaguing this unit. And like, like you said, I mean, uh, I don't think they're convincing anyone that these guys need to stick around. So uh, Joe Douglas is going to have a big project cut out for him this offseason. He's got, uh, you know, at least three or four holes on that offensive line. You would figure that he has to fill um, maybe a few more. You know, it could wind up being all five. It's just a matter of how aggressive he wants to be and kind of, you know, overhauling that unit, but uh, it's certainly going to be a, a big undertaking, an important one too, because he has to get some of those decisions right if he wants to start protecting Sam Darnold and you know getting the most out of his running backs, whether that's Le'Veon Pell or someone else next year. But uh, you know, getting that offensive line in order has got to be priority number one for Douglas. 
Getting back to Darnold for a second, and we're going to go into the locker room and hear more about what Gase had to say a little bit later on. But he did indicate in the postgame presser that it was on Darnold, that interception, right? It wasn't Daniel Brown. That Brown ran the right route. It was just that Darnold must have thrown the wrong pass. Yeah, he said that the the routes were correct uh, and that, you know, Darnold just, uh, you know, kind of saw the wrong thing or something like that. It was, it was a Darnold mistake, and, and Darnold owned up to that as well. So um, that was, it, by the looks of it, 100% on the quarterback there because uh, Brown was not even looking for that ball, uh, So and he apparently wasn't supposed to break back for it. So uh, that one is, is squarely on Darnold at this point. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk defense, Matt. Lamar Jackson coming into this game was the frontrunner for the MVP award. He remains the frontrunner for the MVP award. In fact, he may have widened the distance between himself and the number two candidate. Just a tremendous performance all the way around by Lamar Jackson. As I mentioned before, five passing touchdowns. He ran all over the Jet defense, too, and this was easily... The Jets' run defense is the worst game of the season. They gave up over 200 yards rushing, got destroyed all night by not only Jackson but Mark Ingram. A tough night for Greg Williams' unit, and we'll start with the defensive line. They just couldn't stop the run at all. It's tough to see because they've done so well at it throughout the course of the season, but I guess no matter how elite a unit, there's always going to be somebody that's more elite, and that's what the Ravens were tonight. They were more elite than the Jets. They were elite on the ground from the beginning of the game all the way through to the end. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Lamar Jackson is fast, man. And I got to say, it was pretty fun to watch in person live. I think it gives you an even better sense of just how quick he really is when you're you're in the building as opposed to just watching it on the screen because I don't know. I don't think I quite realized just how explosive he is, how athletic he is. It was 
really, really impressive to see with your own eyes. So um, and I think the, the Jets defensive front felt the same way for that matter. I mean, uh, a bunch of the guys in the locker room afterward were saying basically that, you know, it, it took them a few drives to really adjust to just how fast the Ravens are, how quick things develop, how fast you have to make those decisions. And uh, you kind of saw it a little bit. I mean, the Jets defense after those first three drives, they gave up three touchdowns right off the bat, but they settled in a bit after that. I know the Ravens kind of, you know, tacked on a couple touchdowns late, but uh, the second and third quarters were for the most part pretty good for the Jets. They did start to, you know, put up some sort of resistance at least, but Early on, I think, uh, you know, there, there's just no way to simulate Lamar Jackson. There's like, especially if you're the Jets and you don't actually practice this week, it's just walkthroughs. So everything you're doing is not at, not even close to game speed. It's not even a practice speed, really. So, uh, you know, it, it's impossible to simulate the, the kind of decision making you have to make and the, the split second that you have to make that decision. And so by the time these guys kind of got settled into that rhythm, they'd already given up 21 points. And I think that kind of helps explain why the, the Ravens have had so much success so often, so early in their games that they have a habit of kind of pouring it on early in the games here. And uh, I think a lot of teams are struggling to kind of adjust to Lamar Jackson's game speed because it really is something else. Despite that, the Jets were able to hang around for the early part of the game, even though they gave up the 21 points Greg Williams did everything that he could here with the players that he had, but when you're spying Lamar Jackson with Terrell Basham, it is what it is. <laughs> you're not going to stop Lamar Jackson with Terrell Basham. And then once things really unraveled in the second half, we started to see some glaring weaknesses that just couldn't be papered over no matter how hard Greg Williams tried and no matter how brilliant his scheme was because when you saw guys like Marcus May falling down and not being able to make plays, Nate Hairston and Daryl Roberts blowing coverage on a touchdown. When you saw Neville Hewitt one-on-one with a wide receiver in Hollywood Brown, you knew that was going to be a problem. And you saw things like that way too often in the second half, just mismatches that ended up as a result of something that Greg Williams was trying to do to stem the tide that just didn't work out. Greg Williams has been playing with second and third string players most of the season. He's found ways to keep the Jets competitive in most of these games. This was not one of those. And Matt, I would say that the reason for that largely is because at a certain point you run into a team that you just can't beat with clever scheming, no matter how smart you think you are, because you don't have the talent to compete. And while the Jets were able to hang in for a little bit, ultimately this was one of those games. The Ravens are just far too good on offense for the Jets' defense, and we saw that in all aspects here. Even though they hung around, as we said, when it came to the running game, they got destroyed. When it came to the passing game, as time wore on, they got destroyed. It was just an A-level team versus a C-level team, maybe even a C-minus level team, and this is the result that you end up seeing when you get an A-level team versus a C or C-minus level team, no matter how clever the coaching is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, basically the gist of it is Greg Williams can kind of pull some magic with a bunch of backups when you're playing the Bengals or the Dolphins or uh, even the Raiders or the Cowboys. I mean, the the Jets have played going back uh, the last handful of weeks now since the Patriots in Week 7. They haven't played a single team that currently – at this point in the season has an above 500 record. So 
Uh, they've played a lot of teams that are not very good over the last, you know, two months basically. And uh, you, you can get away with a lot more against those kinds of teams than you can against Lamar Jackson, the, the likely MVP, uh, and an offense that is, you know, on a nine-game winning streak and is, you know, just wrapped up the AFC North, probably going to have the home field advantage in the AFC. I mean, it's just a, a different level of team. And, uh, uh, you know, Greg Williams could have brought every single lucky charm he had out to that sideline. I, I don't think it was going to do much good against this offense. I mean, when you're missing both your middle linebackers, when your secondary is in disarray, there's only so much you can do against a, a team as talented as the Ravens. And uh, that's exactly what wound up happening on Thursday night. Special teams is pretty good, though. They had that block punt that ended up getting returned for a touchdown. Brant Boyer continues to do a really good job. And regardless of where this coaching staff ends up, at a certain point, whether it's at the end of next season or whatever, everybody should hope that Brant Boyer sticks around. It's not his fault that Sam Ficken missed the field goal and an extra point. Can't really pin that on the coaches. But other than that, Brant Boyer did a great job tonight, as he has done throughout his tenure with the Jets. Yeah, for sure. Boyer keeping him when Todd Bowles was fired at the end of last season and uh, you know Gase keeping him around was one of the best moves I think the Jets could have possibly made for their special teams because that unit has been pretty good all year, relatively consistent, even though they've lost a lot of their key pieces from last season when they were the best unit in the league. And they were really good again today. I mean, a bunch of kickoff returns out past the 30, which is really nice. Braxton Berrios rattled off that one nice punt return right before halftime that brought the Jets across midfield. Uh, the touchdown, like you said, on the blocked punt, uh, the one blip was the that picking field goal early on where it uh, certainly looks like the Ravens got a piece of that one. And uh, so, you know, maybe not entirely on Ficken, a little bit on the line there just for not holding their block long enough. But, uh, you know, that they got that out of their system early on and then they made a bunch of plays that uh, were really helpful. I mean, Lock Edwards even pinned the Ravens inside, I, th- I think, at their three, definitely inside their five at one point. So uh, special teams was, was clicking pretty well and uh, Brant Boyer deserves a lot of credit for the work that he has done and is doing with this unit because, uh, you know, they have lost so many pieces and, you know, all of the turnover uh, on the roster obviously affects the, the offense and defense. And, you know, we often don't think enough about how it affects Brant Boyer and his special teams. He's had some moving parts as well and has managed to kind of keep a, a pretty good level of play on that side of the ball. So, Uh, Good for him and good night for the special teams for sure. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. That block punt for a touchdown played a pivotal role in the fact that there were a lot of very nervous gamblers down the stretch because the point spread here was 14 and a half. So if the Jets would have found a way to get a touchdown late and they had the ball with four minutes to go, they would have done what gamblers would call a backdoor cover. 
but it was not to be. So if you bet on the Baltimore Ravens, which a lot of people thought was a smart play, you escaped this one. Matt, I would imagine there were plenty of people in Vegas that were sweating down the stretch, though. Yeah, for sure. I, I can confirm that a few of my friends back in New Jersey were uh, texting me during the game saying, uh, I need the Jets to not do any other things on offense at this point. They're making me nervous. So, uh, yeah, def- definitely had some betters uh, sweating down the stretch there. Uh, the, the possibility of the backdoor cover. But alas, it was not to be. This was not like week three against the Patriots where they managed to get a couple of, uh, you know, special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown, and, and cover in a spectacularly weird fashion. You know, they, they could not quite get all the way back this time around. So, uh, you know what they say, good teams win, great teams cover, and the, the Ravens are apparently a pretty great team. Great teams adjust too. This is another game where we didn't see a lot in the way of adjustments from Adam Gase. I understand that the Ravens are a much better team. We talked all about that, but this is another example of the Jets not being able to do a lot in the second half. I know that they scored some points in garbage time, and we talked about that block punt for a touchdown, but Adam Gase's offense once again struggling once the script had to be thrown out. This is something that I would hope that he addresses over the next couple of games, but it's been a persistent problem this season. It has. And actually I, uh, you know, dug into some of the numbers and I'm going to have a story on that uh, Monday morning or sorry, force a habit there with the Sunday game Friday morning uh, on NJ.com slash Jeff kind of dug into their third quarter numbers throughout the season. Uh, not even just, you know, the first drive of the second half, stuff like that full third quarter, uh, took a look at you know all the Jets' drives this season, uh, kind of tallied up some numbers on how they've been faring. And uh, uh, suffice it to say, the numbers for Adam Gase are not pretty and certainly point to a lack of adjustment at halftime or at the very least uh, you know, point to the fact that the adjustments they're making are not the right ones. So uh, keep an eye out for that Friday morning uh, you know, as I kind of break down the numbers and you know, just point out some of the flaws that uh, seem to be haunting Gase because you're, you're right. The in-game adjustments have not been working well at all for the Jets this season. Just as a little bit of a preview of what you're going to read in Matt's article, Luke Grant looked this up. Going into the game against the Ravens, the Jets had eight second-half touchdowns all season. So that should tell you a little something. That's pretty bad for 13 games into the year. Matt, let's go inside the locker room now. What did Coach Gase have to say? Yeah, so, uh, it, you know, nothing super exciting from Adam. It was, uh, you know, he was relatively pleased with uh, Sam Darnold's performance. You know, obviously said that they need to clean up some of those mistakes, uh, a lot of the stuff that we've heard before. But, uh, you know, he was saying that the, the team, despite the fact that they clearly lost by a, another lopsided margin on national television, was uh, upbeat. You know, he, he likes the way that this team keeps responding and that the fact that they were still grinding throughout the fourth quarter, he was heartened by that fact. And, uh, you know, he, he was uh, basically about as steadfast as he's been at after a loss this season. Uh, you know, I think he kind of knows that they ran into a buzzsaw a bit here and uh, obviously isn't happy with how the game went and was pretty clearly frustrated by some of those mistakes that we mentioned that the Jets offense made in the first half that really could have changed the outcome of this game, or even if not the outcome, just kind of put some more pressure on the Ravens and, you know, make it more competitive throughout the game. You know, he said that the Jets game plan uh, or their hope was just to 
uh, have it close going into the fourth quarter and, and then kind of see what happens. And uh, that didn't come to fruition because the Jets basically left 17 points out on the field in the first half. And, you know, that very much changed the complex of the game. So uh, he was frustrated by that. But, uh, you know, there have been tougher losses for the Jets this season. So, uh, and there's been plenty of them. So I, I guess Adam Gase is getting a little practice at this. What'd you hear from the players? Yeah. So, uh, touched on the fact that the, the offensive or excuse me, the defensive players, uh, you know, were saying that it's just really hard to adjust to Lamar Jackson on the fly and that it just takes some time to settle into the game speed, uh, and get used to making those snap decisions against a, a guy like that. So, that was really the big theme with some of the defensive players. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was uh, relatively happy with his performance and, uh, you know, seemed heartened by the fact that he got a, a pretty hearty helping of touches. He said he felt good physically despite coming off the flu. He said that you know, his breathing and his wind wasn't a problem and that he felt pretty good physically, but uh, that he did think the, the coaching staff did a, a relatively good job of kind of uh, mixing in some rest for him here and there just to kind of protect him from himself. So, uh, you know, he thought it was a relatively good night for him, but uh, was certainly still disappointed with the, the loss and, again, some of those offensive miscues as well. So um, Bell, Bell wasn't upbeat. I don't want to, you know, give anyone the wrong idea. He wasn't thrilled and floating on cloud nine just because he ran for 84 yards. But uh, he, there were at least some positives for t- to take away for him. And, uh you know, that was more or less the, the gist. You know, Sam Darnold was uh, kicking himself a bit for that interception and was talking a bit about having to cut down on those mistakes. Uh, again, a, a topic that we've dis- discussed with him, it feels like, you know, every couple weeks at this point. So um, not exactly new territory, but, uh, you know, Darnold was frustrated with those miscues, as you would expect as well. And, uh, you know, is just looking to clean up some of that, stuff and you know get a bit more consistent so these next two games I guess are kind of his chance to to do just that and finish the season strong like he did last year but um, more or less it it was uh, you know it's a Thursday night game guys are kind of clearing out of the locker room relatively fast and uh, when the game kind of goes as predictable as it did uh, you know you're not exactly getting super interesting quotes or anything after the game it was relatively ho-hum scene in the locker room afterward. Any injury news? Uh, just Jeff Smith, who was making his NFL debut. He left the game early with, uh, I believe it was an ankle injury, and he's going to have some tests on Friday. So going to have to wait and see what's the deal there. But uh, other than that, nothing that was mentioned to us uh, by Adam Gase. So that was uh, really the one to keep an eye on. But we will find out a bit more on Friday when we get to talk to Adam on the conference call. Matt, you were in Baltimore, and I love the harbor. It's the best part of Baltimore. And if you were in Baltimore for this game to check out the Jets and the Ravens, you probably went down to the harbor as well, got yourself some seafood or something like that. You'll be back in New Jersey for this next game. And if you want to get tickets for that and battle off a lot of the Steelers fans that are going to be trying to buy up a lot of them, 
Go ahead and grab your tickets now over on the Vivid Seats mobile app. You can download it right now, and you enter the promo code OVERTIME. When you do that, you get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. You can go see the Jets and the Steelers, or if you want, you can do something else. You can use that promo code to see a basketball game, a hockey game, a wrestling match, a boxing match, a concert, whatever it is you want to see. Just use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and make your first purchase, and you'll get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. And Matt, I was talking about the harbor because I want to know if you and Andy and the rest of the guys on the beat went out and had some of that famous Baltimore seafood. Yeah, so me, uh, Andy Vasquez, Connor Hughes got down here Wednesday night. Uh, so we did go out for a uh, nice seafood dinner Wednesday, uh, placed down in the Federal Hill area uh called lp steamers so we got like a half dozen crabs to to split and then we each got some steamed seafood platters so uh you know got to crack into some of that which was really nice and then uh hit up a a crab cake joint uh a few blocks from our hotel on thursday afternoon as well so uh it's it's been a a decent eating trip here and i'm going to try to get myself another crab cake for lunch on uh, Friday before I get on my 1230-ish train back to Newark. So uh, hopefully I can sneak in another lunch down here because, yeah, the crab cakes are really good. (laughs) Going to give you a recommendation, and I guess I'm sort of giving them free advertising because they're not paying me for this, but Jimmy's Famous Seafood in Baltimore, if you haven't been there yet, I highly recommend that. They have great crab cakes. Make sure that you take advantage of that now, Matt, because when you come back to New Jersey, you're not going to get great crab cakes like that, but you will have way better pizza. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just had a piece of uh, pizza in the press box after this game while I was writing, and uh, yeah, let's just say it was not Joe's of the West Village. So <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Matt Stipikowski of NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media. Thanks so much for coming on and talking through this Jets loss to the Baltimore Ravens 42-21 with me from Baltimore and the Harbor. And now we will turn our attention to the Jets and the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up next Sunday. In the meantime, though, you mentioned before that you've got plenty of stuff that's going to be up over at NJ.com slash Jets. So what do you got cooking? Yeah, so like I said, I uh, kind of dug into the numbers on Adam Gase's halftime adjustments or, or lack thereof, I suppose. Uh, so check that out on Friday morning. Also, just kind of a look at the the studs and the duds from this one. Some of the guys that played well, some of the guys that you know had a, a night to forget, uh, and one or two other things as well that will be up on Friday. And then, uh, you know, going to figure some out stuff out for the weekend. Obviously, a, a nice long week before this Steelers game, so uh, I'm sure I will uh, do some bigger picture stuff. I, I think I'm going to uh, do something looking at all the rookies now that they're uh, you know getting close to the end of their rookie year and kind of evaluating their performances, see how things are going for them. So uh, keep an eye out for some stuff like that over the weekend. And uh, two more games left. We got uh, It's Friday now, so we got 16 days left in this Jets season. So uh, we're hitting the home stretch here. But, you know, keep it tuned over to nj.com slash Jets and, uh, you know, stay with us through the finish line here uh, over these last couple weeks. Two more games left, but still a ton of content to check out. Make sure that you're following Matt on Twitter at M underscore Stipulkoski, S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Read his work over at NJ.com slash Jets. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.